Well, take your Bibles and turn with me to First uh, John chapter two. Wait for this thing to come awake again. First John chapter two. You gotta love technology, right? Hey, Martin, is that still on number two up there? Yes. Okay. Well, I'm not sure what's up. There it is. Well, you might not get to see it. I think Tom came up here and messed it up for me, didn't he? Did you rig it for me? How's that? Nope. Still nothing, huh? Well, you might not get to see it. All that work. All that hard work. Oh, well. We'll go on without it. How about that? So, First um, John chapter... Two, uh, we're going to look at verses fifteen through seventeen this evening. First uh, John chapter two, verses fifteen through seventeen. Uh, you know, we we've seen that the fellowship with God requires that there is no room for hatred in the heart of us toward our brethren. He who says he is in the light and hates his brother is in darkness until now. First John chapter two. And verse 9. But there is in one sense in which we are not to love at all. And we find that there in the passage of 1 John chapter 2, beginning in verse 15. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the Pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away, and the lust of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever. So there are things that we're not supposed to love, and those things that we're not supposed to love are the things of the world. So we're going to look at what was John talking about when he talks about not loving the world. A very uh, simple imperative and therefore given to us, love not the world. But we certainly want to look at the meaning of those words in the life of the Christian. Tonight I hope that we can um, shed some light on what John's saying and to motivate us as Christians to not love the world and the things that are thereof. So we'll begin then by answering, what is the world in this passage, in 1 John chapter 2, beginning in verse 15? Well, 
it is not the physical world. Uh, we know through God's creation, Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1, that God created the world. God doesn't half do things, does He? So the things that He created were good in and of themselves, but yet some of those things can be used for wrongdoing, which would be those things that we're supposed to stay away from as uh, children of God. It, as we notice there in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 31, after God created all these things, He said for it, they were very good. So we know that the world, the physical world that God created for us was very good. So it can't be in that sense that we're supposed to hate the physical world that God, the Almighty, has created for us as uh, children of God. It is not the human world, therefore mankind, if you will. Uh, for God Himself loves the world, and if He didn't love the world, He wouldn't have sent His only Son to die on that cruel cross. And we can tell that from verses like John 3.16, For God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son. So we know those things that God has made, mankind and the physical world, those things around us, are very good in of themselves. So that's not what John's talking about here in this passage in 1 John chapter 2. Rather, it is the world of sin or the world of evil that John speaks of. Now, you've heard us say um, uh, in the world, uh, the world of sports. And when we say the world of sports, we're talking about those things pertaining to sports, aren't we? Well, God allowed Satan to have some abilities and powers in the world to tear us away from God. But yet we as individuals have the choice to make of being able to do those things that God has us and wants us to do. And so we should choose an attitude toward God's Word that will get us to heaven one day. And obeying those things that God's Word tells us to do and not being part of the world or the sin in the world that surrounds us. There are three things in particular that make up the world. I want to take you for a moment, if you will, go ahead and mark 1 John chapter 2 there and flip over to Matthew chapter 4 because I don't think that we can really, um, really say anything here about this passage unless we go back and look at the temptation of Jesus in Matthew chapter 4 to see how some of these things fit within what we as Christians face each and every day of our lives. So we know then the story here that Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil, uh, Matthew chapter 4 and verse 1. And verse 3 we see, Now when the temper came to him, he said, If you are the Son of Man, command these stones to become bread. And he answered and said, It is written... Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And then in verse uh, 6 we see, and he said, If you are the Son of Man, throw yourself down, for it is written, He shall not give His angels charge over you, and in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. And Jesus said to him, It is written again, You shall not tempt 
the Lord your God. Notice, if you will, in Matthew chapter 4 and verse 9, And he said to them, All these things I will give to you if you will fall down and worship me. And Jesus said to him, Away with you, Satan, for it is written, You shall not worship, you shall worship the Lord your God, and him only you shall serve. Now flip, if you will, back over to 1 John chapter 2, and let's look at these verses and how they fit within that realm of the temptations, the three temptations that Jesus faced there in the book of Matthew chapter 4. Number one, the lust of the flesh. And this, this phrase refers to the unbridled desires of the flesh that we face in the world in which we live. Now, I want to mention a few of those uh, from the book of Galatians, chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5, beginning in verse 19. Now, the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanliness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, decisions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelers, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in time past, that those are the practice such those that practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. That's the world that's being talked about here in first John chapter two. Those things should be very far from the children of God. We should not ever be involved in any of those things that are mentioned there in Galatians chapter 5. <clears throat> Note that these desires can be expressed both sexually, as we noted there in Galatians chapter 5, fornication, idolatry, lasciviousness, and as well as socially, as we notice there, hatred and contentions and jealousies. So all of these things we are supposed to stay away from as the children of God. Notice number two, the lust of the eyes. And this refers to the unlawful longing for things which we can see. It can be summed up in one word, covetousness. We covet those things that we can see. You know, a lot of times you, you might hear uh, Christians say, well, wow, I, I, you know, I, win, I wish I won the lottery. Well, I'm hoping that they're not playing the lottery. But they'll say, well, I wish I could have that $40 million that that person won in the lottery because I could do a lot of good things with that money. Well, we're, in a sense, we're coveting those, those things, that, that money that uh, those individuals have gotten from a sinful practice, if you will when we're not realizing that we should be able to depend on God to give us the things that we need in our lives. We don't need the lottery. God provides those things that we need. Now, does that mean that we just get to sit around and do nothing? No, we still have to have a job, right? Isn't that what puts food on the table? So we still have to do those things that would help us to gain those, um, those uh, funds, if you will, to be able to take care of the things that we need from God. A modern day expression could be materialism. 
You ever know anyone like that who's very materialistic? They have to have the best clothes and the best uh, cars and the best houses, and uh, they want to make sure that everybody else knows they have the best cars and the best clothes and the best houses. Materialism, covetousness, those things, the lust of the eyes, those things that would tempt us as um, the children of God to fall away from God and have those things. And thirdly, we can look to Paul's letters for some examples of this third one, and that is the pride of life. Turn, if you will, to Ephesians chapter 5, beginning in verse 5. Ephesians chapter 5, beginning in verse 5. For this you know, that no fornicator, unclean person, nor covetous man who as an idolater has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore do not be partakers with them. Notice, if you will, now in Colossians chapter 3, also verses 5 through 7. Colossians chapter 3, beginning in verse 5. Therefore put to death your members which are on the earth, fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience in which you yourselves once walked when you lived with them. The pride of life. Having someone else think that we're a great individual, that we deserve to be placed upon a pedestal. Perhaps those things in the pride of life could be um, said that uh, some would include the pride based on such things as age, as experience, as ancestry, like perhaps maybe um, someone who is a, a prince that would one day be a king. Past accomplishments. Money position, and power. All of those things are the pride of life, aren't they? All of those things can take us away from what we need to do as the Christian toward God. All of these things that we looked at in the book of Ephesians, in the book of Colossians, there in Paul's writings, those things that we could be prideful about can take us away from those things that we should do according to God's Word. A few passing observations about these three temptations that 1 John chapter 2 warns us about. Each of these three things often strike harder at different times in our lives. Think with me for just a moment. The young are most often affected by the lust of the flesh. The middle-aged are usually affected or inflicted by the lust of the eyes. And the aged are likely to be plagued with the pride of life. And there seems to be a tendency to consider one more serious than the others. And in reality, none of them are more serious than others, are they? 
they all involve sin. They all involve taking us away from the proper relationship that we as Christians should have with God. There seems to, uh, to be concern about sins involving the lust of the flesh, that the sins in the other categories, which is worse. Which is worse, fornication or covetousness? Well, they're both sins, aren't they? They both can take you away from the proper relationship that you are to have with God. Do we consider it more serious to commit adultery or more serious to be jealous of someone around us? They're both sins. Sometimes if we as Christians are not careful in how we think about sin, we will be fighting strong against immorality and materialism and pride will sneak in the back door. For sin is sin. I'm still looking for, and I'm sure you probably are too, that uh, color scale for lies in the Bible. You know, it's just a little white lie. I'm still looking for that color scale, but I haven't found it yet. Um, but all of these things are sin. You know, a lie is, is bad and going to separate you from God and the things that God would have you to do just as bad as adultery would or fornication or covetousness or being prideful. All of those things separate us from the proper relationship with God. Whether it be immorality or materialism or pride, those are all things that the Christian should certainly stay away from. But why? Well, we've noticed in other passages which say uh, why we shouldn't be part of those things. But our text in John gives us another reason. 1 John chapter 2, beginning in verse 15. It makes it impossible to love the Father. It makes it impossible for us to love God. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. If we as Christians have the love of the Father, we can't be part of the world, part of those sins that separate us from God. And I understand the love of the Father means the love for the Father instead of the love for us, for He loves us even as we are sinners. As we notice verses like Romans chapter 5 and verse 8, He loves us even when we are yet sinners. He sent His Son for us even though we were sinners because He loved us so much. John's not, only the, uh, not the only person to say that if we love the world, we cannot love God. There are other verses that we can find in the New Testament. James taught that friendship with the world is enmity with God, James chapter 4 and verse 4. Jesus said that we cannot serve two masters, Matthew chapter 6 and verse 24. We can't love the world and God. We can't love sin and be in the proper relationship with God that He would have us to be in. So, let's define the love of the Father. Well, according to John, it means that we keep His commandments. 1 John chapter 5 
and verse 3. And that those commandments are not what? Burdensome. That we don't uh, blame God for making us keep those commandments. That we do those things because of our love for the Father and our love for His Word. Those are the things that God would have us to do. And Jesus certainly agrees in John chapter 14 and verse 15. We are to love God. We are to keep His commandments. And if we love the world, we can't keep the commandments of God, can we? If we love the world and the things in the world, the sins of the world, those things that we have so mentioned here in previous verses and other passages in the New Testament uh, this evening, we can't truly love God, can we? I used to have an argument, well, a uh, disagreement, you can call it an argument if you want to, with uh, one of the members in Lexington, and uh, he said that his brother-in-law was just a wonderful person, and he was a good Christian man, but his brother-in-law wasn't a member of the church. And uh, he said that his brother-in-law loved God. And I always asked him, did his brother-in-law keep the commandments of God? And he said, no, he did not. And I said, well, then he can't love God. Why do I say that? I'm not being cruel. I'm not trying to be harsh in those sense. But the Bible tells us, if you love me, what? Keep my commandments. If you love me, keep my commandments. That's what God said. It's not Brian's words. It's not anyone else's words. It's God's words. So we are to love God by keeping His commandments and staying away from those things that we have aforementioned, the sin of the world. That is necessary for us to be in the proper relationship with God. If you're driven by the lust of the flesh to commit fornication and idolatry, then you can't keep God's commandments. If you are overcome by the lust of the eyes so that you always want more and hold on to what you have, then you won't keep God's commandments to help the needy. 1 John chapter 3. Verses 16 and 17. If you're filled with the pride of life, th thinking that you are better for whatever reason, age, experience, whatever reason, if you think that you're better than someone else, then you can't truly be keeping God's commandments. You will not be able to keep the commandments to be intimate with Christ. Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 through 5. So it is impossible to faithfully serve God and love the world. Those things in the world. Not the physical world that God created for us. Not humankind or mankind that God also created. But those things that involve sin and our separation from God through those things that we practice. Because of the world, where the world is going. Notice, if you will, in the passage in 1 John chapter 2 and verse 17, it says the world is passing away. And this is true in regard to our individual lives, isn't it? 1, John, or 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 24, James chapter 4 verses 13 through 14, it says the glory of man, the flowers, the grass of the field all withers away, but God's word endures forever. It's also true concerning everything that we leave behind. Everything that we leave behind 
in this world is going to melt with fervent heat, is it not? According to Scripture in 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 10. Now in contrast, he who does the will of God abides forever. So how does one that's doing the will of God abide forever? This is because he will be blessed to enter the heavenly kingdom. Matthew chapter 7 and verse 21. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. For Christ is gone to prepare that place with the Father in heaven so that we can be there eternally. Now sometimes uh, it's interesting, I've had conversations with someone who says, well, what are we going to do in heaven for all of that time? I don't know. We're going to worship God. We're going to be in the presence of God. It's going to be a happy place where there's no tears and no sorrow and no worries of the things that we left behind. It's going to be a wonderful place. A place that rewards the saints. You ever want a reward or an award? And how proud you were of that and how you held it in high esteem? Well, that's nothing compared to what our reward in heaven is going to be as a faithful Christian. Even our works follow us. Revelation chapter 14 and verse 13. Isn't this what we all want? To get to heaven one day? To bring our loved ones there with us? To bring our friends there with us? Those that we love and care about? Well, certainly it should be if we are the type of Christian that we should be. In Matthew chapter 25 and verse 21, Well done, good and faithful servant. You are faithful over a few things, and I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Even if we gain the whole world, all of those things that we could be prideful about, all of those things that can take us away from our proper relationship with God and lose our soul, we have gained absolutely nothing. We as Christians need to give serious heed to John's words here in 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 through 17. And make sure that our life as a Christian our life as a child of God and holding Christ's name as a Christian is in the right place by loving God and keeping His commandments. Not just specific commandments, but all of the commandments that God has given us to obey. The question might be asked of us this evening, are we keeping the commandments of God? Are you as a Christian keeping the commandments of God? By obeying the things that God's Word tells us to do. And part of those things that God's Word tells us to do is not to love the world or the things in the world, those sins that we so mentioned here this evening. If you are not a Christian, then certainly you need to become one. Through obedience and keeping the commandments of God, by gaining a faith, by understanding God's Word. For faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So we have to hear the Word of God and understand it to produce that faith necessary in our lives. We must believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God 
For if you do not believe that I am He, you will die in your sins. We must confess with the mouth that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, be buried in that watery grave of baptism, raised to walk in newness of life. And I almost forgot one, didn't I? We have to repent. We have to have that change of mind. We have to look away from sin and the things of the world and look to God for the things that we need in our lives as the Christian. There may be some here this evening who have never obeyed the Lord's plan of salvation that we just mentioned, who have never named Christ as the Son of God and be buried in that watery grave of baptism, raised to walk in newness of life. And we as Christians are to remain faithful unto death to receive that crown of life. If you have a need to respond to the Lord's invitation this evening, whatever your need may be, we want to offer you that invitation now as together we stand and as we sing.